Welcome to the Teach Me Good podcast with your host, Art Kai. Soon you'll hear from him and his friend, Fernando, and later they'll talk to a special guest who will teach them about something. Not everything will be accurate, but hey, we're all just trying our best out here. Yee-haw! Enjoy. Fernando. We are live. We're live. From New York City, everybody. It is also Saturday. Yeah. I don't know if it's Saturday. Night. Saturday evening, it's like early evening, it's 3 o'clock here? Yeah, yeah, Saturday Saturday evening, the, the prime time slot for television. <laughs> yeah, I'm surprised NBC hasn't picked us up yet, because we <laughs> are, uh, I think make, our numbers yeah. are better than SNL. Also, right in the middle of the day, I gotta say, are you scheduled this right for the middle of the day? I, I can't have any plans. People are like, <laughs> I had so many people reaching out to me trying to hang out in the middle of quarantine, and I had to yeah, say wow. no, because yeah. I had this podcast. Which is like even a deeper burn than if it were pre-quarantine times right it's like i've 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 taken a test to hang out with you i've, I've taken my covid yeah. test i've scheduled out time i've clean i've disinfected my whole apartment but sorry i, actually, I, I can't actually can't hang out i'm i'm doing a podcast i had someone hang out ask me to hang out with me today someone was like hey you want to hang out later like on saturday night and i was yeah. like yeah sure and then they called me last night and were like hey you should know i tested positive for covid a week ago and <laughs> And I was like, why did you ask me? Why did why invite me out? Wait, did they just like not remember? Like how do you No. I think they were trying to keep <laughs> they, they were they were like, Hey, my roommates were telling me that I should tell you. So they, they didn't mm. plan on telling me. They knew full well, but yeah. they didn't plan on telling me. That is so fucked. Yeah. <laughs> and I, Who is I was this like, your friends are scummy? Yeah, my friends are scumbags. Uh, yeah. I'm friends with scumbags exclusively. Uh, yeah, you you not included. You're like no, I no, I this. You were telling your story about how your friend like had COVID. I remember yesterday it was Chinese New Year, Lunar yeah. New Year, and I remember like hyping up that we were gonna maybe hang out. And then at the day of, I'm like, oh, you know what? Actually, I think it's just gonna be a, a roommates <laughs> and me thing. <laughs> Which I understand. I I can completely respect that. I don't I don't have yeah. any problem with that. I completely understood. But, but when COVID gets in the way, yeah. <laughs> But the it's idea of someone, story. someone being like, yeah, I wasn't going to tell you, but my roommate said that would be a bad move. <laughs> and I was like, all right, man, it is a bad move. Not yeah. because I'm not even worried about me. I'm worried about me getting on the train back and yeah. possibly carrying some residual COVID yeah. particles. Some viral things. But, yeah. I mean, we're not talking about that today. Yeah, Dude. today we're talking about literature. We're talking literature. about literature. And the, yeah. the reason why we're doing a midday call is because the person we're talking to lives in Ireland. Okay. Yeah, this is, we've gone international. Dude. Different time zones. Yeah. Different time zones. So it's going to be 8 o'clock on, in her space. We, we, we've spoken to Thailand. We spoke, and, we, we've spoken to a Thai person, yeah. And, we haven't released that episode, but we have spoken to a Thai person. <laughs> Thai, yeah. And now, now Ireland. Ireland, um, yeah. We're yeah. just making our rounds around the world, dude. For sure. Yeah. I'm excited, though. I think, um, I mean, this is a good segue. Like, she is a professor, uh, our maybe our first professor on mm-hmm. the podcast, which is like we should probably just be talking to professors. I don't know why we're talking to comedians who probably don't know much about anything they're talking about. I think the reason we don't <laughs> we don't talk to professors is because I feel like throughout this podcast it's become clear that I have an inferior inferiority complex about my uh, intelligence, <laughs> and so the idea of talking to someone that to is professor. actually professional. Yeah. Uh, so that's that's actually that actually makes me wonder like how do you feel about today's conversation we're talking about this person in particular is an expert in david foster wallace and i just learned about david foster wallace (laughs) a couple days i didn't even i never heard that name before i love that i love that (laughs) you know you know how i know about david foster wallace because you went to school yeah well okay it is related no i don't love to read but 
uh, you have those glasses the... for a reason but <laughs> <laughs> you also have glasses anyway i never wear them though because i don't read I'm not a, I'm <laughs> you not don't a... need them yeah but the the reason um, I know about it is because the the basically the smartest kid in our high school would will lug around a giant book. I'm sure people who know DFW Ooh. knows the book, uh, Infinite Jess, and he was, was just DFW, reading it through Dallas Fort Worth. You said <laughs> DFW, and my first thought was Dallas Fort Worth. Yeah, no, I think DF I think Dallas Fort Worth took their name from David Foster yeah, Wallace. Yeah, big fans, big fans. Yeah. Of- they all yeah, they all were uh, prep school boys, mm-hmm. white boys, and mm-hmm. they uh, were fans. <laughs> so yeah, I that's how I found out about David Foster Wallace, and I have since read some of his nonfiction mm-hmm. works, and it, they are he's an excellent writer, like Fantastic, just incredible. Beautiful. I've I've read his entire his entire uh, what do you call a, a bibliography? What do you what do you is that what it's called? Oh shit! Like their their works, all their yeah. works. Um, like you get yeah, filmography, bi- bibliography, bibliography, cinematography, like what? what yeah I, I don't know see we we're can, not we're we not smart enough our, for this professor we can ask our guest uh <laughs> yeah talking about it but do you know the vibe of dfw not that not dallas fort worth I, david foster wallace no i couldn't tell you Art. i couldn't okay. i couldn't tell you the vibe of any author <laughs> well the vibe of da- of dallas david foster wallace is um he's this he's this uh author that was around in like the 90s mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and he committed suicide which i personally think that you know yeah. like at if, 42 if, years old at, 42. at like at like 40 or 30 or something like that yeah um, i looked it i looked it up i think it was somewhere around 42. oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so he's he's written like very critical things and i think he has a very a lot of good ideas and he's yeah. he was like famously hard on his students and just like a very like meticulous writer and just like has a lot of good social commentary and it came yeah. out in his writing like okay. for example one of his one of my favorites uh like store i guess written worse of his is like um a supposedly fun event or whatever um it's a it's about a it, that's the title it, and unfortunately or a supposedly fun thing I that i'll never do excerpt. once i thought you were no no, no that's the, excerpt like you're like just about to bust it open <laughs> i don't even know the the yeah. full title but it's like something like that and um it's like his review of a cruise ship. Like he spent a, yeah. like a week or two on a cruise yeah. and just like relaying how it's like a reflection of American society. Yeah. No, um, see, this is how yeah. little I know about uh, DFW is um, I had a friend who told me he read Infinite Jest and loved it and recommended yeah. it to me. And he was an open micer, so I just assumed it was a book about stand-up comedy. <laughs> I was, I was like, yeah, that's a that's, that's a guy that's trying, like learned about stand-up comedy from a book. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the the there's a meme about that book, you know, right? It's like it's like no a thousand pages long. It's basically the length of like a Bible. It's like yeah. a giant chunk, and so and everybody has it on their bookshelf. Not everybody, but like the Brooklyn liberal arts kids, they all have it in their bookshelf. You know what I'm saying? So none of them have read it some of them read it like my old roommate has read it i've had i've actually lived with three four people who have read it oh, that, you're so brooklyn <laughs> well it's funny because I, I lived with uh one of my roommates in college shout out nick he's a he's a fan of the pod uh he was a big david foster wallace fan and then his high school friend i also lived with in college or here in new york yeah. and he had that book uh oh. here and he's also he's arguably a bigger fan than my, yeah. my roommate nick um, how much kombucha do you have in your apartment right now? <laughs> 
Well, it's interesting. I think um, I've had some uh, some barrels, and I've had also <laughs> some um, buckets. So I don't know how you prefer to uh, <laughs> measure it. That. You just yeah. have it on tap, just... right? It's it's not like a numerical yeah. number. It's more of like oh, one bucket of uh, what is it? Yeast and two buckets of of uh, vinegar, and then we'll make. I don't know how kombucha is made, but. It's... Something like that. It's a probiotic tea. That's all I know about it. Yeah. I had it one time, and I could not stand it. But anyways, that's not what we're here to that's talk about. That's what we're talking about. about. We're here to talk about <laughs> DFW, also known as David Foster, Foster Wallace. Foster Wallace. Everything I Dallas know about Fort him, Worth. I have listed about him. I, I That's all. My that's limited it. knowledge has been expressed. The right. only other thing I do know is that he does look very similar to the comedic actor Jason Siegel. Who also made a movie about him and played oh. him I in the movie. I told I knew it. I knew there yeah. was no way Jason Siegel was not playing David Foster Wallace. <laughs> yeah, Jason Siegel is definitely the type who would uh, be obsessed with DF, DFW. Yeah, he, but um, I will say one last thing about what's interesting about Infinite Jest is like it. The point of it being so long. This is this is a theory that one of my roommates had is um, to f- it's it's supposed to feel like the passage of time, okay. which I think is pretty interesting because it's like you're yeah. just like spending so and much it, time it reading. It takes a lifetime reading it. Right, and also David Foster Wallace was a huge fan of tennis. And apparently there's like a huge appendix in Infinite Jess and you're constantly bouncing back and forth reading the appendix and reading the book that it feels like tennis. You're like rallying a, okay. a ball. But I think that's like a pretty is interesting that conceptual thing. For? I never knew what an appendix was for. Okay, I'm, I'm, I, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, showing too much. I'm showing my hand. Too you're much. being vulnerable for once. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I guess I just learned what an appendix is for. Yeah, I, yeah. Well, yeah, it's uh, it's funny because I feel like the appendix in the human body is basically useless. So it's like, okay. it's like, are you implying that the appendix of a, of a book is useless? Because it's not. I, I was just reading an appendix today when I was reading a book. Of course you were. So, <laughs> <laughs> of course you were. But um, guys, let's get into the episode. Let's, let's get into the episode. What, what, is our, what is the name of our of our guest today? Uh, so our, our our guest, and this is actually funny. I actually asked her what she preferred to be referred to as um, her address, and uh, she's. Formerly Professor Claire Hayes Hyphen Brady, so I was like, "Do you want to be Do you want to be called Professor Claire Hayes Brady?" And she's like, "You can just call me Claire." So, guys, today we're talking to uh, not even my friend, but Professor Claire, our future friend, <laughs> our Claire. future friend. Uh, enjoy. Can you, Claire, can you actually read this little intro for me real quick? I'm sending it through the Zoom chat. There you go. I got it. Hi, I'm Professor Claire Hayes-Brady, and I'm going to teach art about Infinite Jest and David Foster Wallace in the hope that he'll finally read a book. That is the goal of this podcast. I mean, I, I it's all about like the stages of of learning until I can yeah. finally be like, maybe I'll just pick up a book. Yeah, a really <laughs> massive one, and and my many years of training will have been worth it if I can achieve that. So yeah, no, I'm excited. I'm excited to talk about it. Um, <laughs> it's I great think, to be here. Yeah, thanks for thanks for doing this. I think it's funny because like a, as a person who lives in Brooklyn, I, I see yeah. this book on literally every single shelf of every everywhere. single apartment, everywhere, all the time. Um, so yeah, let's get into it. So. What is your background? What what do you do? What can you give us a little a little oversight, a little context? Yeah, so I am based in Ireland. I'm based in Dublin. Um, I did my undergrad in English with Italian, and then a PhD in contemporary American literature, in which I focused on on the work of, of Wallace. Um, I was kind of chiefly interested in philosophy and how he mm. engaged with with philosophy. So he thought a lot about, uh, not always successfully, it must be said, <laughs> um, about a lot of really important philosophers. And he was a philosophy undergrad major yeah. along with oh. English. 
Yeah, so he was he was kind of um he, he a lot of his work is sort of animated by philosophy and he was very interested in it. And huh. so that's kind of how yeah. I got into into his work. Yeah. And cool. I yeah, so then I, I kind of now I work in another university in, in Dublin. Um I teach mostly contemporary fiction, um cool. among other things. So. Yeah. And are you still studying David Foster Wallace? Like, is this um, part yeah, of the curriculum? I'm finishing a book on him at the moment. Um, awesome. That sounds very impressive, but actually I didn't write any of the book. I'm just editing it. So <laughs> it's much that less counts, That counts. That counts. <laughs> you can put your name on there. It counts. Yeah, I know. I'm right on the cover. Um, <laughs> so that's, I'm really enjoying that at the moment. It's, it's, that's awesome. Uh, yeah, it's great. A lot, of, a lot of really brilliant scholarship happening, particularly with younger scholars. Yeah. Um, so some really exciting stuff coming out. That's awesome. And do you, yeah. how did you, do you remember like the first, dfw thing you picked up like do you remember i do it was broom of the system which was his first novel which remains my favorite and i think i might be alone in the world in that <laughs> i'm the only person who thinks i don't think it's his best work it's just the work i like best you, yeah it resonates with um, you and you like yeah, it, yeah it's funny and it's really immature like it's really <laughs> you can really see that he's like working on his craft in a really yeah. obvious way and i find that really endearing yeah. um i tend to really like that kind of the juvenilia stuff um, yeah. for a lot of writers so that was the first thing I picked up I'm going to completely embarrass myself now and say that I did it to impress a guy <laughs> which didn't work thank god because yeah. that would not have been um, but yes that's that's how it started so wow. Men Do you remember... David Foster Wallace to me resonated deeply with me when was this was this like were you in college was, I was in first year yeah I was in oh, first year in my wow. undergrad so I was I was 18 in my defense yeah. I was wow. very yeah. <laughs> and, and do you do you feel like it like was like a spiral where you're like, I feel like I've read some D like David Foster Wallace and it, it kind of like had this effect on me where I'm like, I kind of want to read more. Like what yeah. this guy is yeah. kind of cool, you know? Yeah. yeah so you, you ended up reading into, everything. Yeah. And it kind of, it, it fit in with a lot of what I was studying as well. So Sweet. it was kind of easy for me to weave it in. And then in my third and fourth year, I started yeah. to, um, I started to focus a bit more narrowly and like bring him into classes and, and stuff like wow. that. Nice. Yeah. So it was total coincidence, you know, yeah. just pure chance. Um, but yeah, yeah. We, it has worked out well for me. So Right. No, that's awesome. And do you think that, like, where does Infinite Jest fit in in terms of, like, all the stuff you've started reading? Again, I get in trouble a little bit when I say this, but I actually am not the world's biggest fan of Infinite Jest. Sure. Um, I think it's an enormously impressive novel in Piece just of, yeah. in its sheer size, its scale, yeah, its yeah. ambition, and, and all of that. And it does, there are snippets of it that are just really, really wonderful. But sure. I actually don't think it was Wallace's best work. I think that his mm. short fiction, particularly his later short fiction, was more um, finely crafted, better edited, yeah. and just yeah. a much more... Um, much more accomplished work. I think Infinite right. Jest is hugely impressive and hugely kind of overwhelming. So of course right. it's the masterpiece. But right. for yeah. me, it's I, in the middle. I think it's important, but right. I don't like and it do that you, much. Did you read this like later in your interest in David Foster Wallace or was it pretty early? It was pretty early, I think. Okay. I think I went yeah. from I went from Broom of the System to I think not I didn't go through it quite chronologically, but but pretty close. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, that's good. So I went, cool. yeah, I went from Broom the System to Girl with Curious Hair, which is the first short story mm. collection. And I think then I, I read Jest yeah. um, over like a summer because yeah. it's so huge. That's, that's funny. I, I, I remember uh, the first time I saw Infinite Jest was in high school. Literally the smartest kid in our high school was lugging around a giant book. And I was like, what the heck is this? What? Yeah. He's, he's not paying attention in class. He's just reading this giant book. Oh and I started, started talking about it. And he's like, oh, this is like, 
good author. And I started reading. Uh, if I mainly read like his his like nonfiction stuff, his like sort yeah. of critiques on things, which I yeah, love. Yeah. I think it's like yeah. he, he's so insightful. Yeah. Uh, but it's I feel like it's hard for me to get into like his his fiction. I feel like his writing is kind of like hard for me. I don't know yeah. what the deal is. Yeah, I, no, I think weird. that's, I mean, I have a lot of, a lot of friends who are, you know, they're serious readers. They may not necessarily be literally, sco- literary scholars, yeah. but they're, you know, they're serious readers and they kind of are just not, they're kind of underwhelmed. I think mm. we're kind of a bit put off by some of the style. I really love the style. I really respond to it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, you know, cool. I, I kind of like the, the playfulness. Right. Um, and well, I like feeling clever when I read. I do. I like it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It, all the neurons are firing up there. You're like, exactly. It's working. Exactly. It's working for me. Synapse is uh, getting excited. Yeah. Well, speaking of, I, I, I kind of want to just touch up a little bit on uh, uh, Infinite Jest just because yeah, it's such sure. a it's such a cultural touchstone. You know, it's mm-hmm. such like a literally every single I've seen it in every single like way possible. I've seen it on a yeah. shelf. I've seen it as like a, a way to hold up a laptop so you can have a standing desk. You know, I've seen it yeah. as uh, you know a weight, a giant yeah. weight. Um, yeah. So what? What do you think the the um, I guess appeal is? I think like there is such a an aura of mystery to it. Like, yeah. is it is it justified? Like, what is it? You know, mm, there's a lot of different questions in there. I think. Yeah, um, I know. I have I have a lot of. <laughs> <laughs> so I suppose one of the things about it is, and we were talking before we recorded. We were talking about Frankenstein, the novel, mm-hmm. which is another example of this of what I would take to be a really significant cultural event and the reason it's significant is not because so many people have read it it's Mm. because so many people are aware of it and haven't read it yes you know that it Mm. it has its own gravity right it has its own kind of cultural cultural gravity um and i think that that spirals that's its own like that kind of it's like a snowball going down a hill that once it yeah. has that cachet, it, it gathers it, whether people read it or not. So Ulysses yeah. is another example. Proust is another example. You have these mm. books every kind of generation or so. Yeah. I don't know what it is at the moment. I think it's probably still Infinite Jest, actually. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, you know, there'll be there'll be another one quite soon that everyone is carrying around and everybody right. talks about and you say you've read it even if you haven't. Right. It was in the Gilmore Girls. It's one of the, it's one of the <laughs> really? books in the Gilmore Girls. And That's I so think funny. There was a TV show, Castle, for a number of years. There was an episode of Castle that's based on Infinite wow. Jest. There's a, there's a book in it called, I don't, like, it's a play on Infinite Jest. Anyway, I can't yeah. remember offhand. Oh, so weird. it appears as this as this cultural icon that Alluring people respond to. Yeah. It doesn't necessarily have its own meaning, but it's a kind of a, it's kind of like a synecdoche for all of the sort of anxieties of the late yeah, 20th yeah, century yeah. youth right so i think that's part of it interesting interesting um, and it's so visually arresting as well yeah like, yeah it's books that you carry could be giant. any book but it's just yeah. so huge yeah um, yeah so it's really oh, do you think that's on purpose yes do you think he wanted that okay so it was like intentional yes. to make this giant book i well, yeah I, my immediate response is yes i think so yeah, um yeah. he was not a like he wrote wonderful short stories as yeah. i said before um, and some really very short stories, some that would, would you know, would fall into kind of flash, flash fiction territory. Mm, and mm. yet his novels are, are long, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. And I think, you know, he was working in this kind of maximalist tradition. Yeah. Um, right. and, and, you know, Jest is really consumed with the idea of infinity. Um, mm. So it is a book. Infinite. It is a, yeah. Kind of an infinite book, you know, yeah. In, yeah. in some senses. Well, what is the book about? I mean, can you give can you give a spoiler free version and then a spoiler version? Because yeah, can, yeah, can you give me like the spark notes so I can pass an exam? <laughs> like, yeah. We need this. People okay. need this. <laughs> so I was thinking about that question actually, and mm. 
the the funny thing is i don't think spoilers really come into it because it is this kind of huge encyclopedia book so knowing what kind of happens in inverted commas in it doesn't actually kind of change the experience that much uh-huh. um but yes i can so a spoiler free version of what the book is about is um a vaguely dystopian version of what it's like to be alive in the late 20th century okay now yeah um yeah so just a little a little previous to now up to about um up to the kind of mid yeah mid teens right um so like up to about kind of five ten years ago the early Um, yeah early aughts yeah Yeah. so the the years are you can calculate it um a number of people have because it it just has (laughs) that kind of reader yeah um nerds yeah just um so the years are, are all named for corporate sponsors. So the, the kind of oh. numerical progress, the, the chronological progress of the century oh, that's kind of ebbs. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but so it's, it's, and I mean, he anticipated in some respects in kind of vague, the way that, the way that popular culture often can, yeah. um, some aspects of, of living, like he would have, there is a, a, a scene early in the novel that yeah. envisages pretty much what we're doing right now. Yeah. Um, so videophony is what it's called in the text. Um, okay. He anticipates Skype and Zoom and filters. Oh and my masks god! And virtual backgrounds, the whole bit—it's all there. Oh, little yeah, profit. That's really fun. strange. Yeah, kind of creepy. Um, but Star Trek did a lot of the same right, thing. That's right, that's true. You know, so a lot of sci-fi. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think we, yeah. you know, we read back and go, "Wow, that's really familiar. That's <laughs> that's really prophetic." And you're like, "Well, actually, it's." kind of no. it's not you know it's not that prophetic humans um, humans love to find the magic in things we for do sure. exactly yeah. exactly and there's a lot of that there so yeah okay. spoiler free it's about it's about the sort of ennui of life in america in the late 20th century or north right. america in the late 20th and century and just like post like i guess late capitalism for lack of a better yeah. term post-consumer like how this has really affected basically our whole life i mean just to be naming years yes. after corporate sponsorships exactly. i mean that is yeah. huge right so yeah taking taking the idea of consumerism to its logical extreme like ext- um, yeah definitely yeah wow yeah. okay so it's I've I've heard a theory that so I've I've lived with four people who've read this book. All right, awesome. Uh, yeah, which is like I, I can, love. I don't know what your house is like at three a.m. So. <laughs> yeah, it can get real wacky real fast. Yeah. <laughs> um, but one person, this this sort of explanation, this theory has really stuck with me. How it's like the reason why it's so long is to like sort of um, reflect a passage of time um to feel like you are gr- like getting older as the book yeah. gets older right yeah. is that do you think that's true there's like a, I like think a time thing fair. related yeah. yeah i think that it it certainly plays with the idea of time and it moves around a lot in time uh. and obviously the that that theory of subsidized time that you have that that goes through the book really kind of messes with what we know about time yeah um and it uh. also it, the book starts after it finishes it's so it it it, oh, it is God. It's structured to work like a Mobius strip, so it's oh, a it's God, a single no. dimensional circle, right? Yeah. Um, and, and brain, within the brain. text, there are all these fractal images, so yeah. these infinitely receding images. So there's a, a, a Sierpinski gasket, which is a receding triangle, yeah. and there's also yeah. the, the Mobius strip, which is a which is an yeah, which is the, the infinite repetition. Yeah. Yes. If yeah. you've seen Avengers Endgame, there is a Mobius you know strip in it. You know what it yeah. is. Yeah. So I think that's probably part of the allure too. It's like the book seems so like uh, amorphous in a way. You know, it's got like a weird like. Is there a plot? There's a plot, right? There's kind of a plot. Yeah, the plot is <laughs> uh, the plot is basically um, this guy has taken maybe some drugs we think, or possibly mm. it's a hangover from when he was a child that has been 
um, that has been reactivated by something. We never quite find out what it is. And he's not able to talk and he's interviewing for college and he can't get in because he's not able to talk. So that's part of us. And there is the the central, the central, the title is, um, which is taken from Hamlet is a movie. Um, oh. a movie cartridge that is um, so entertaining that people who watch us will do nothing but watch it forever until they die. Whoa. Um, and it's, Whoa. yeah, so this is kind of the idea of this is a weapon of mass destruction. And there are a number of people who are after us, including the guy who now can't speak and another guy who's a drug addict. And oh they God. meet, but we don't know when, but we know that yeah. they do. And they're digging up a grave because they think that it might be buried with the filmmaker who is the drug guy's <laughs> father. Um, who's dead? Whoa. Yeah, but who's also in the book in a number of kind of ways? He's remembered, but he's also yeah. appears as a kind of ghost figure, a wraith. What? Yeah, so th- there's a plot, kind of. Yeah. Um, <laughs> can, can I just say this is probably the best marketing for the book? You know what I'm saying? Just like this, how? Just like unknown. You can't know it unless you read it. Like it's like yeah, it is I have huge, to read it. I guess. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. Both sort of in the same way as if you ask what's the plot of Ulysses, a guy walks around Dublin for a day. Yeah, yeah. Like that's, that's not why you read it, you know? Right. Um, and are there similar... spoilers in the book? Like, are, is there spoilers? I feel like I've given you the big ones. Yeah, like, I think so. There's, yeah, there's some drugs, and the movie yeah. is never found, kind of. Okay. But we do see it pop up at a number of a number of places, so it's very yeah. kind of self-contradictory, and because it moves around in time, and there are so many characters. Yeah. You know, it's kind of difficult to follow a single a single thread, but there right. are main characters certainly, and there are things that happen to the main characters. Insofar yeah. as I guess that's as close as you get, kind of to the plot. Jesus, I'm I'm already overwhelmed just trying to figure yeah. this. Yeah, uh, there's out. a lot. It's there's a no. Lot. Yeah, it is a lot. I mean, hence, what, a thousand, fifteen hundred pages? Like, it's a it's big... 1,079 pages, of which about a hundred are endnotes, which themselves also have... Are a thing. Yeah, yeah, it's like, yeah. it's like that's all part of it, right? Yeah. How many yeah. pages? There's one, I don't remember offhand which which number it is, and I would normally have a copy of the book, but we just moved house, so... Yeah. Um, but there's one that has, goes through a whole big long endnote, and then there's an asterisk in it, and at the end it goes, this is not true, or this is not strictly <laughs> true. So there's a whole, it's a really unstable narrative, oh it's really, God. and the whole structure of it is really, it sends you all over the place, and so yeah. the, that theory that you mentioned that your, your friend or your flatmate has... Yeah. of it makes you feel older as you go through it. Yeah. I think it makes you feel the passing of time. And that's actually uh, something Wallace was really interested in. Um, if yeah. you look at his later, his last novel, which was unfinished. Yeah. So we don't know what it was sort of meant to look like because his Is editor the put Pale it King? together. Yeah. So his okay. editor put it together after he died. Oh, okay. but it's concerned with the same thing. Oh, and boredom God. and the idea of moment by moment yeah, living in living the present. Mon- mundanity, banality, yeah, all that yes, stuff. Yes, exactly, exactly. And kind of dealing yeah. with boredom. There's there's one chapter in that that literally is just a repetition of people turning pages. Yes, yep, yeah. that, yep. And it's supposed to yeah. also feel like a tennis game where yes. it's like you're back and forth. Yeah, across and back. So, it's, yeah, it's, it's columned. <sighs> and it is, you just feel like you can nearly Dude. hear a clock ticking while you're reading it. <laughs> oh, my God. I, I'm annoyed. I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm, I'm annoyed hearing about this crazy book that he, yes. he wrote and that everyone everyone has read. And uh, I guess on that, on those lines, like what do scholars like you think about this this work of uh, literature? I mean, it's 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 it was a seminal piece of work. Like there's no getting no. even if even if like me, you're kind of like, well, I can see that it's not, you know, there's things that I would have changed and whatever. Right. Um, um, 
it, it is a, it is absolutely a seminal piece of work. It is it is generation yeah. defining, um, yeah. for better or worse wow. in some ways. And yeah. there is because it's so huge and so kind of unwieldy, it's yeah. enormously rich. I mean, the the you know there are still it's it's I twenty twenty five years this year twenty twenty five years old this year. Wow! Oh, yeah. I just have to read it. Yeah, I suppose you yeah. do. There'll be, a, I'm sure there'll be, I'm sure there'll be another edition released. There was a, the the twentieth oh, yeah. the 20th anniversary edition had a forward by Dave Eggers, which was was pretty good, I think. Oh, Dave um, Eggers, okay. Yeah, I'm a fan. I love his yeah, work. And, and yeah, and Eggers is, is very much a, a Wallace a Wallace kind of fan. Yeah, he seems um, like I can see that. I can hundred percent. The that. connection is there, definitely. Yeah. Um, yeah. but I think you know there there are still really really innovative, really interesting theses being written on. Infinite mm. Jest specifically, Wallace in general, but Infinite Jest specifically, and right. it changes, you know, as with any important text. Right, it right. It changes with time, you know, the and time, how yeah. we read it now is different to how we would have read it 25 years ago. Yeah. So I find that my students who come to us read just read it totally differently to the way. Yeah, I would have that's read it that's pretty students. cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's so it has that. its own kind of it has its own life. His own thing. Um, I'm yeah. I'm interested in how he in how Wallace wrote, kind of who wrote bodies and wrote gender particularly. So that's kind of right. how I read it. I'm I'm just I'm interested in that. Got um, it. But there's also you know there's kind of you can read it for mathematics, you can read it for philosophy, you can read yeah. it for geography. You know. I mean, on on the lines of of uh, your studies with like how uh mr wallace uh david i just want to say his full name all the time can i just say sure. like i just <laughs> what is uh yeah what do you so uh, your work with like gender and um i guess gender identity and and and, and um all that's identity basically yeah. uh how, why do you think it, david foster wallace in general is so appealing to like young educated males i feel like it's such a trend you know well i mean i think because he was a young educated male you that's know his first book came out when he was 24 um yeah oh wow but, really yeah wow. i am 35 now and i just like, <laughs> that's unfair i just yeah, yeah. <laughs> to be fair um, it was easier it was so, easier to get books know, to think, come out and he's then. the his True. his his authorial voice is so um individual and it's so striking that it's very resonant i think with yeah young white affluent intellectuals yes um, totally you know so that's a big part of it and yeah um his I background get, was affluent as like was he pretty wealthy growing he up he was yeah i mean yeah i think he, he yeah. was he was the child of a, a teacher and, a, and an academic um a yeah he was like yeah so, he was fine yeah he was doing yeah okay. like yeah. i don't i mean affluent is such a nebulous term right right, but right, yes, right, he, right he would have been kind of firmly middle class right um you know interesting yeah and and grew up very much around the academy around right. kind of around literature you know his his family his family background in that respect is is pretty interesting yeah um his father was a philosophy professor and his mother was an english teacher like mm, that <laughs> so, makes yeah you know, that makes sense you can sort right. of see how yeah um and, and I, I think yeah no i was gonna say i think that like weirdly they're at least with a lot of my friends who are familiar with david foster wallace who are so interested in them i think there is like this sense of most most all of them now that i think about it are white you know what i'm saying yeah. they are i think there's this, yep. this sense of of aimlessness the sense of of wandering that i think is very kind of spe specific to just white males you know yeah. i think he really targets that really well because there i think there is like some sort of correlation with like this aimlessness and like a lack of of culture perchance you know especially in america where it's like sure. it's sort of diluted for a lot of i think white folks and you yeah. know it's, it's been memed it's been talked about we can get 
it's a whole other podcast obviously another episode <laughs> but i think there is like this correlation of like he really hits the nail on the head of like this this feeling of of kind of being white in a way you know yeah yeah and yeah. he was really conscious of 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 his whiteness as well yeah, I mean, he didn't right. necessarily move successfully beyond us um but he really <laughs> he talked about it a lot and he was it was he was very aware of it yeah. um he did when he was young right with his college roommate mark costello he wrote mm. a book called signifying rappers which oh. was about rap music in the 90s yeah. and oh, interesting yeah it is it has not aged well <laughs> oh no um and it includes the the epiphany i guess that yeah maybe rap music isn't for young affluent white guys actually yeah, yeah and maybe i just yeah. remember reading that and being like wow this is, you, you wrote you wrote that down okay yeah right uh, that's where we're, so you know so race is a kind of a race is a kind of a confounding um element of his of his work because Writing. it is there yeah um he's been criticized for for his his um the kind of the whiteness of his work and not just yeah. in its population yeah. but also in its focus i'm really interested in what you said about that sense of aimlessness yeah, yeah, yeah. i think you know i think if you look at the, a lot of the texts that i have mentioned already ulysses and in search of lost time they do exactly the same thing right it's right. this kind of wandering in search of meaning sure and I mean, totally wallace was really engaged in a kind of a theoretical way with postmodernism Mm. and kind of high postmodernism and what came after yeah um and postmodernism in a lot of ways is is also a really white kind of theory it's a, it's yeah. a white critical perspective right so by totally you know, bell hooks has, has put it really well like it's easy to give up an identity when you've got one you can do yeah. your subjectivity all you want but no one is threatening yes. us yes exactly um, yeah totally exactly yeah yeah so this kind of uncontested centrality this uncontested normativity mm -hmm. is really what he's interested in i think mm. um yeah and that's why i feel like every all my roommates just keep watching his graduation speech uh <gasps> that is water or whatever this he, is water this yeah. is water they're obsessed with it and it really does it, it resonates yeah. with it so well in like a sort of postmodern world you're right i think it does this kind of it's like it's like yoga it's like yeah. it's like what yoga teachers say like honest white yoga teachers just to be very clear right, right. you know they kind of live in the moment and be with be with the ugliness of the time yeah, and you're like life. okay yeah um and, you i know, love that analogy i love it that's so funny it, it's i think it's good advice right but it's right, it's also right. kind of meaningless in some it's ways true. and yeah that's true um this is water is a is um sort of like if a if like a tumblr blog came to life i think <laughs> um and it, it because it's, it you know it's it's like t it's 10 minutes or 15 minutes of speaking you yeah. can't like what you say and it's it's meant to be an inspiring occasion right. and and his right. writing does deal with those questions of like we said like boredom and, and the passage right. of time and the sort right. of futility of existence and so forth right. but in a more complex and kind of a kind of a dirtier way yeah yeah, yeah. um whereas this is water is really anodyne like it's yeah it's interesting how he like concedes to cliches and then like talks about cliches you know what i'm saying yeah. like it's a yeah. weird like almost hypocritical thing but Absolutely. i think it's like and i and again i think in the longer fiction especially he's really aware of that and he you right. know he kind of talks about that and you can kind of complicate it and get into depth with it a little bit whereas you know in a graduation speech a cliche is a cliche is a cliche yeah um, totally so, <laughs> she said in a cliched way right and her, i guess this sort of is a good segue out of infinite Jazz. i guess one more question about infinite jazz sure. before we move on have you ever used it as anything else besides the book i have as used a... it as a paperweight i have held my office door open with it i have never <laughs> used it as a weapon 
but you know, I would if I needed to. Yeah, it's there. Um, it's ready. It's ready for you. <laughs> I am trying to think. I've used it as a way of getting out of talking to people. <laughs> what do you mean? You're just like, oh, I got to go read? Sorry, I'm stunned. <laughs> um, it's a I great book a, it's uh, a very, cover. It's very forbidding. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do not bother but, me. <laughs> yeah, but no, mostly mostly just as a, I think I used it as a step once to get a book from a higher shelf. Because I'm, I'm not very tall, so. Yeah, um, that's the most important part of the book. It's very versatile in things that are not, versatile. you don't have, even have to use it as a book, you know? I that's did, the most important I part. did see... Uh, a, a meme about a guy who is traveling because it's one of those so huge, you know, it's a pain, yeah. it's a pain in the bum to carry around with you. Yeah. And I did see a guy who had torn it in half. <laughs> and like, that's a full disclosure. That is something I do with books. If I'm, you know, if I'm traveling, I will, I will, but it's got like the end yeah. notes are all at the end. You can't yeah. read it if it's in half. And I just remember right. looking at it and being like, Oh wow. Uh, okay. I like, yeah. <laughs> Let's instrumentalize the book by all means, but don't do that. That's, that's a terrible it. idea. People are pretty creative. They they will do anything to yeah. you know get around things. Yeah. That's so funny. <laughs> um, anyway, so outside of Infinite Jazz, yeah. I guess um, is David Foster Wallace's works all like the themes of it. It's sort of this. It's it's all the same in his other works like do you think it's all sort of related i think i read online like and I, I agree with this like solitude solipsism yeah. masculinity yeah. you know but novelties of life yeah i think i mean the short answer is yes but the longer answer is yes but um like right. i said i think there's a, a great deal more nuance in it like mm -hmm. thematically he's very interested in empathy he's very interested in solipsism i think most of it comes back to ideas of communication sure but you can also, as I said, you know, it's informed by philosophy and maths and geography yeah. and eco-poetics eco and, um, you know, there and gender and race and all of these kind of categories of identity. Right. So in his preoccupations are similar, but the the stories are, are all quite different or not all yeah. quite different, but there is a there is a, a breadth across us, I think. Um, right. I mean, I'm still reading. I'm still reading him. How old am I yeah. now? I'm still reading him. I've been reading him for kind of nearly 20 years. Not quite. Wow. Yeah. Um, there's always I something. I still come back to, yeah, there's always something right. new. And do you, and you focus on the gender themes of his work, right? Or? Um, yeah, now I we're, okay. we're kind of, I'm suppose I'm, I'm interested in, in how he thinks about the body particularly and how we are in the body. So my original, my original interest in him was from a kind of a, philosophy perspective and i was interested in the philosophy of language and communication cool and that kind of developed into um an interest in how we how we communicate so not just the kind of abstract theoretics of that but physically more literal yeah. right so what happens when you when you take a drug and you can't speak yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Or oh, what happens when you're actually trapped in your head what happens yeah. you know all of these all of these things and so and also I was at a conference in 2009. One of the criticisms of, of Wallace that you I'm sure will come to um, is his, he is a, a bit of a boys club. Yes. Um, yep. Now that's, absolutely. that's changing in, in critical terms and scholarship. A lot of the most interesting scholarship is coming from young, young female scholars. Um, mm. But it's certainly the case that, as you've said, he appeals to a particular demographic yeah. of, you know, young white intellectuals. And I was at this conference in 2009 yeah. and somebody asked a question about gender. And I vividly remember every head in the room turned to me and was like, oh, you're a girl, man. you do gender, right? <laughs> oh God. Well, okay. Let's, let's do it then. Um, yeah. 
so some of it was some of it was that also that it was um, well yeah let's talk about the your studies then like what are you finding in his like the way people speak through a body you know like what are you finding um there's a lot of a lot of a lot to unpack yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah. it's a big question my my i wrote my, my thesis, which I finished in, in 2011, which is such a long time ago, oh my God, um, was on, as I say, was on kind of the philosophy of, of communication. And sure. um, I developed that into a book, which came out in 2016, in which I kind of moved more towards looking at, at gender in the body um, cool. throughout. And that was that's called The Unspeakable Failures of David Foster Wallace, yeah. which was definitely a clickbait title. I'm just, I'm just gonna go. I'm just gonna admit it straight out. I yeah, had a yeah. different title, and they came back and were like, "We need something a bit sexier." <laughs> yeah. I feel like you feel a little guilty about it. You're like, oh, I don't uh, know if it I really represents." Of, I kind of love it, actually. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. It gets people really. reading. Yeah. Um, and so it nice. took the idea of failure as a kind of a, a structuring theme in Wallace's work, mm. um, and I looked at failure kind of of communication failure in communication um mm. so failures of the body and also wallace's failures as a as a writer as a, as yeah. a thinker as an author um mm. and i suppose the sort of the most obvious thing about wallace and gender is not unlike what we've already said about his his relationship to race that he was very bound in his own right embodied experience right as, sure. a, as a, a big he was a big guy as well right. so as like a, an imposing male yeah. white figure yeah. Um, And so he lived in this, in this whiteness and this masculinity. Mm -hmm. And he, he wrote about feminism. He wrote, he imagined his reader as she all the time, which I couldn't figure out why I found that off-putting for a really long time. Wait, he imagined his reader as she? Every time he mentions a reader in interview, it's always she. Why? Which is weird you, because his readers really are mostly weird. not women. Yeah, <laughs> um, it is strange, and that I think it's really strange. Yeah, but I think that part of it is imagining is the relationship the writer, the author reader relationship that he imagines is quite heavily sexualized in places. Uh, okay. um, so sense. there's a strange kind of yeah, there's a strange kind of dynamic of power yeah. there as well. Yeah, um, it's a little so creepy. I mean, a little creepy, a little, a little, little creepy. Pervy. And I couldn't. Yeah. It took me years to figure out. Like, I should be happy about this. He's, you know, he's um, he's including yeah. women in his thinking. But Shout out women, but it's like yeah, yeah but it is. <laughs> it's it's this kind of woke misogynist kind of yeah, yeah. vibe to me now. Um, and I mean, you know, from kind of per- speaking personally as well, like my. Yeah engagement with Wallace has taken me from adolescence to adulthood and to into yeah. parenthood as well. Wow. Um, so my relationship to his imagination of gender and the body is, has really changed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I don't know if it's that it's changed or that the time has changed or that I've changed or what combination of that informs yeah, probably a little bit of everything. my work. I think, yeah, right. I think some of everything. So I'm interested. I am, I am maybe less dismissive of his, um, of his, gender politics for want of a better word than mm. a lot of other scholars and certainly a lot of a lot of other readers yeah um i think that he was attempting to reach across various categories of identity sure you know i don't think he succeeded um <laughs> <laughs> yeah but, i mean look know, at I it now that, it's mainly yeah, yeah. Um, right. But I do think, you know, he was he was certainly very aware of cultures of misogyny and toxic masculinity, um, and right. he was aware of feminist discourse. I mean, he studied in in you know he studied in Amherst in the 1980s. Like, yeah, yeah. you know, this is pretty this liberal is material that right. he would have been familiar with, and we know that. Right, um, right. Interesting. 
Yeah, but you know, you can also you can be engaged in something and thinking about something and still not quite not get it, you internalize know? it. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah, very much yeah. so. And you don't um, think so- he? Yeah, you're you're implying that you know his his work is not really indicative of you know the things he was saying. Well, I think, I mean, I think he was very interested in misogyny. Okay. Um, and that tips into misogynistic work as well yeah. i think in in places mm. um and it's hard to separate them in some ways for sure. me anyway um yeah you know so his middle collection brief interviews with hideous men and he he said on a on a, a radio interview with michael silverblatt he talked about it as being grounded in misogyny yeah um it, and it very you know it very clearly is and you know to what extent do you excuse writing these deeply deeply misogynistic violent hostile characters <laughs> yeah as like investigation right yeah yeah and then at the same time you know i think that these texts are important because they do they do elucidate this period and yeah. you know i think that the kind of the 80s and 90s you know you're you're into the kind of you're into the post-feminist in some ways kind yeah, of emerging right. post-feminist discourses and so right. that kind of misogyny is is really everywhere and yeah so it sort of i think it reflects a lot on the era the time of its pro- exactly the time of its yeah. production so oh interesting i think and... that was probably a really unclear answer <laughs> no 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 I, I think it's an important i think it, you covered a lot of like uh the, the things that people were wondering i think there's a lot of criticism about this so i think it's yeah. like inter- it's good to point out and like yeah, discuss like so. um you know his his shortcomings his failures if you will failures. Uh, his failures <laughs> um yeah, and I, I, this sort of leads me to my next. Look at this conversation flowing pretty flowing. beautifully. Like to my river. next question. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so how do you reconcile all this and his history of abuse uh, yeah. and his his value and his works and also your interests? I mean, it feels like you know it's it's probably it's probably hard to read like a massage like study like you know yeah. a person who is sort yeah. of hypocritical in his works. Yeah, I think it's I think that I find it instructive. Um, okay. In some ways, and that's for me, that's part of the importance of it. Yeah. That for me, it it feels important not to not to look away from us mm. because I do think, as I said earlier, I do think that for better or worse, Wallace was such an influential figure, such an influential writer yeah. for so many writers and so many readers right. that it feels as a critic, yeah. it feels kind of irresponsible of me to just say, well, you know, I don't like him as a person, so I'm not engaging with that at all. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I, and I think that that can can be can be quite polarizing. And right. as a, again, as a critic, and I would maybe draw a distinction between being a critic and being a reader. Yeah. Um, oh, if I came oh, to Wallace okay. now, I yeah. don't know if I would read him. You know, <laughs> um, and I certainly yeah. a lot of my a lot of my undergrads are just not that interested in him. They're yeah, just like, yeah. Oh, you know, this is like, I can, there's so much else I could read. Yeah, um, and that and that's true. And you don't, as a reader, you never need an excuse for that yeah. but if you if you want one i think that his 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 personal circumstances appear to be um a perfect a perfect reason to to stay away from him um right i think though you know so adrian miller wrote this um wrote her her publishing memoir in the land of men two years ago time has lost all meaning for me uh, <laughs> it's all I don't even know. like where are we um <laughs> And she she asks in that book, what do we do with the art of profoundly compromised men? And I mean, mm. you know, the, I suppose 
and I get I always get asked this with Wallace constantly sure, like sure. how do I as a feminist like reconcile reading him at all or studying or asking yeah. other people to read him and it's a fair question um, but for me the the bigger question is what are we missing because every week mm. it seems like we have this conversation about a different public male figure public, this week it's yeah. Joss Whedon yeah like, Joss Whedon the, yeah the Buffy right? the Buffy so, yeah yeah, yeah. Which did not come as a galloping surprise to me. I doubt it came as a galloping surprise to anybody. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. you know, so we keep having iterations of this individual conversation, right? Like, why uh, is Woody Allen such a dick? Like, why did Wallace <laughs> behave like this? You know. It's a good point. Right? And, and Never thought about that. And, yeah. Yeah, and it happens in it happens in academia, it happens in publishing, it happens in creative arts, it happens in the movies, Everywhere. it happens. Right. So maybe the problem isn't the individual men specifically maybe the problem isn't the individual industries maybe the problem is bigger than this yeah Yeah, a systemic issue yeah yeah, and i feel like we kind of keep getting distracted by the individual conversations right which is not to say that we shouldn't have them right but i wonder whether thinking critically about the work and the circumstances that have produced this work can maybe help us to change things like change access to publishing right change the the makeup of of movies change right change the world so maybe that's right. what i want to do in the end and i that's a very kind of lofty ambition for no no a lowly critic right but yeah no you it, know it I, makes it makes sense i think it's 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 kind of like when someone you know is like angry about their life and then they just take it out on one like there's one moment that just yeah. like all their anger comes out like oh my god i spilled some milk and yeah. then you, you just they, lose, they lose their mind. But yeah. It, yeah, it's more of a reflection of like, oh, I'm just like angry at a lot of things in my life. You know? Yeah. It's sort and of I, like I mean, taking I, it out on one person. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I th- like, which is not to, it's, that's not to excuse right, right. the, no, the behavior that, that Wallace is accused of. I think absolutely not, I have no. no reason not to believe it. His, it there has never been, you know, I, it is it is the case that most of the narrative has emerged after his death, which kind of makes it an an interesting, um, an interestingly kind of angled story. And his estate has stayed, has stayed quiet on, on the, on the subject, which I can understand. Um, So, you know, there's, it's, it's different in that sense to what's happening with Joss Whedon or what happened with Juno Diaz, you know, or Sherman Alexi or, or whoever, because, from, I mean, one of the real cop-outs, and I admit that this is a total cop-out, is that I have less of a problem with it, and I'm not totally sure why, but I have yeah. less of a problem with reading Wallace's work because I'm not giving him any money. Right, right. And I, that you makes know, sense. Yeah. Like, what can you do? Yeah. And, I, and that, you know, then that reduces art to sort of transactionalism. And, yeah. But it is it is a choice, I think, that people can, that people make. And, you yeah. know, we vote with our wallets in some, in some ways. Totally. So, I mean, totally. I avoid seeing you know i don't i was never a huge woody allen fan anyway to be honest yeah yeah but you know there i I think i would think twice about seeing you know about engaging with art that is kind of that i know to be profoundly compromised but i also again personally i came to wallace's work yeah a long time before i understood any of this a long time before it was widely known yeah and there is also an element that we don't love the things we love because they were made by good people yeah you know, yeah. and you can't, it's, you can't unlove something, right? Yeah, you know, yeah. You can't kind of come back to it and be like, it can be compromised, it can be tainted, of course. But and that then nostalgic feeling is there. Yeah, Yeah, and then, yeah. you know, with that tainting, with that compromise, you can look at it critically and maybe yeah. learn something new, I hope. Right. But yeah. I don't think you can just sort of look back and say well, actually, you know, friendship with David Foster Wallace cancelled kind of thing. Right. You know? <laughs> right. 
yeah. And to all those listeners out there, I want to make it clear. I have never bought a Dave Foster Wall book. I just want to make that clear. I've stolen all of his books. I've stolen everything he's ever written. It's all online for free. So go check it out. Uh, the review for Contemporary Fiction, I love it. I think it's very good. Don't you don't have to buy it? It's on. You, it's you, that's true. That's true. You can, there are many ways of accessing. I would never recommend them. You know, as a yeah, professional, yeah. obviously. We're safe. We're safe is what we're trying to say. <laughs> but we're I, you know, here. I think that the kind of the economic argument is is one that does come into play, and then the death, the literal death of the author, um, yeah, kind of complicates that a little bit, or or maybe simplifies it. I'm not sure. Yeah, it definitely brings, I think, a, a certain, I mean, if anything, it brings like a weird, like, twist in the story. It like adds, a, a, you know, a mystery to it that, yeah. like, you know, it's, at the end of the day, it is more marketing. And it's just like, naturally, you're gonna have more people uh, buying into it and sort of reading, you know, what I'm saying like, it's, yeah. it's, it's, yeah. it's part, it's it's part of the story. The, weirdly. Yeah, the conversation yeah. is sort of perpetuated. So right after he died, it was all about his suicide and, you yeah, know, yeah. Having dark days and everything. And now every time you mention him, it's, you know, alleged abuser and, and, and all of, and it, and it sort of feeds into this narrative. And what interests me is how, as a, as a culture, we excuse and facilitate that kind of behavior among, particularly among people we regard as creatively important, yeah. you know, right. and what do we do about that? What's the solution to that? Yeah, you know? totally. So. Totally. Yeah. It's a, uh... It's sticky. It's a sticky situation. Yeah, sticky. It's sticky. <laughs> but uh, I mean, if you, I mean, you sort of said this in another interview I read of yours. It's like, it's all a lot of artists, a lot of writers. You're gonna ha you're gonna run into sticky situations, it's, you know? Yeah, they're just historically not brilliant people, you know. <laughs> I'm sure some of them are nice. I'm sure many of them yeah. are are you know virtuous. Fine kind yes. compassionate people but a lot of them are dickheads like yeah yeah you know shakespeare definitely abandoned his family norman mailer stabbed his didn't wife know didn't like, know that what <laughs> you know this these are these are compromised often compromised people and right i think that right. you know time passage of time tends to soften that and we kind of forget yeah. caravaggio killed a guy like yeah. at least one yeah you know um oj right well, yeah <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah, it's a whole other pile, a whole other pile, we'll <laughs> figure it lot, out. A lot, it's a lot there. Um, <laughs> but I think that we we forgive, or at least allied, our yeah. awareness of this these kinds of behaviors in people who have talents of various right. kinds, you know, be they... Right. Be they sports stars, be they creative, be they musicians, right. be they even, you know, just really rich people. Right. Um, if, if David Foster Wallace was alive now... What would do you think he would be critical of his own work? Of his own work, certainly. Um, uh, do you yeah. think he'd be critical of his whole like his whole life? And I guess like what what do you think he would say? I don't know. I suspect he wouldn't have Twitter. Um, <laughs> I think that he would. Fair. You know, I think that he would be sort of shy of that sort of thing. I don't know. Yeah. Um, he he seems to have been. You know, you mentioned earlier that you'd read um, what you've read of his is largely his nonfiction, and that. Yeah. I think it it creates this false sense of intimacy with him because he writes in mm -hmm. such a in such a conversational yes. intimate way and you feel like you're talking to him right you feel yeah. like you're talking to this person but that's a that's a character you know mm. and I think Wallace himself was not you know he was not a a public person particularly no. yeah um you know he didn't he didn't like as I understand it, and I didn't know the guy, right? So, yeah, you know, but yeah. he, he, from what I understand, shied away from, from publicity. He didn't have a wide group of friends. He didn't like fame, particularly. Yeah. Um, so I think that he would be quite quite a private person in terms yeah. of his behavior. I don't know 
I don't know what he would yeah. say or what he would, how he would respond if he would respond. Um, Do you think he would like write a story about like uh, I guess his his history with abuse and also like his 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 shortcomings when it comes to like exploring I don't know race and identity and gender and all that stuff? I don't know. I don't know. That's, it's yeah. You know, it's hard because he's to... he seems so self aware. You know. Yeah, saying? but again, that self awareness often comes as a kind of a veneer. I think. Yeah. No, that's a good point. That you can yeah. kind of say. And, you know, funny, it's something that he talks, like, he, he puts in the mouths of, of some of his fictional characters. There's one in um, Oblivion called Good Old Neon, mm. which is complicatedly sort of a post-suicide narrative that turns mm. out in the end not to be a post-suicide narrative, but an imagined post-suicide narrative, imagined, in fact, by somebody called Dave Wallace, which is a thing mm. that he did sometimes. Um, and... In, in which he talks about this idea of fooling people, right? Of, mm. of and, and a lot of the, the men in brief interviews do this as well, that they talk <laughs> about being able to sort of speak the language and, and make people think that they're really self-aware and they're really Oh my like, God. It's yeah, like scary. So I don't like this. There's, no, there's like a real sort of cynicism there. Yeah, um, yeah, definitely. And I think Manip- that manipulative. You, very much so, but manipulative. <laughs> and then admitting to being manipulative and yeah, like, like, hoping like a defense... that that excuses us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Weird. Yeah, yeah. So I don't yeah. know. I mean, I think that 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 mm. pattern would probably have continued in, in so yeah. far as you can extrapolate patterns. And I mean, he's you know, it's he's he's dead now, thirteen years. Yeah. The world has changed a lot, and accountability yeah. has, has. I like yeah. to say accountability has changed. I don't know if it actually has. I hope it has. There's, it might be a veneer. It might be a facade. Yeah. Who knows? You know, right. Yeah. So, yeah. It's hard to say. Yeah. It's, a, um, it's a time to be alive, right? So. Right. I mean, speaking of uh, to to not harp on such a uh a little bit of a depressing situation <laughs> but my friend uh big one of my one of my roommates who i live with who has read uh a lot of dfw and a yeah. lot of his work yeah. uh apparently david foster wallace was a, was a huge fan of david lynch do you know, do you yes, know this? yes he was a huge david lynch fan yes yeah so yeah. how do you think he i think this sort of ties into like all of his i mean at least in the a review of contemporary fiction like how would you think david foster wallace he wanted me to ask you this to be clear, I did not come up with this question. Okay. Shout out, Nick. Uh, how do you think David Foster Wallace would respond to, I guess, David Lynch's like re- re- resurgence with, especially with Tim- Twin Peaks? He kind of is like a big yeah. figure now. It's all like because of Netflix, and it's just like that. He's sort of like this mainstream director now. And do you yeah. think David Foster Wallace would be like, oh, that is? Do you think he would look down upon that, or what do you think? I don't. Again, I don't know. That's a really good question, Nick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Shout out, Nick. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> I think that he would probably have been excited about Lynch's resurgence and Lynch's kind of, um, but you know, it's what I see and I don't, I'm not a film scholar. I like Lynch's work, but I don't know it well enough to kind of talk about it in a, in a, in a profound way at all. Um, But I think that what he has done is captured this sense of we're all, we're constantly looking at ourselves, looking at stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. You know, and I think he has, he has, managed to use social media and memes in a way that i think is speaks to his his cinematic style actually in mm. in some senses and this kind of really kind of claustrophobic you know yeah. and, and looking for just a little too long at something ah. um, until it becomes kind of a little weird so he's i just feel like he's looking lynch is like looking at himself being looked yeah. at yeah a the little time. voyeuristic meta yeah. thing happening um, yeah and definitely. i i mean I'm, I'm excited to see 
his comeback so to speak yeah i I mean i feel like lynch never really went away in some respects as well like he's such yeah he's maybe not producing but you know so present in the zeitgeist as well oh yeah Um, you think you think you think david foster wallace would probably feel the same way like he's he'd probably find it his 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 development to be very interesting and sort of like this this meta voyeuristic uh development is cool i don't know wallace would be what age would he be now I can't, I'm with the maths. Um, yeah. But, you know, like 50 he, something, 60? Yeah, he'd be yeah. hitting 60, I think. Yeah. Yeah. 60, or I think I'm just terribly tired. <laughs> <laughs> I think. He died, he so, died, wait, know, Fernando, he died at 42, right? He died yeah. somewhere around 42, yeah. Yeah. So then 13 years, yeah, 55, I'd say? Yeah. yeah. 42. I'm just, I can't. I'm he died sorry. in his 40s. He died yeah. in his 42, 46, 48. Let's just say but, fifty. <laughs> but he would be in his he would be in his fifties, and yeah. you know, so I think people get you know people get people change as they age, and that That's isn't true. particularly. So I don't know. Would the the Wallace of two thousand and four like would be yeah. excited? I think about Lynch coming back. The Wallace of twenty twenty one. I don't know. Who knows? You know. Yeah. 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 So it's it's sort of hard Maybe. to speculate on that stuff. Right. Um, Definitely. And, and speaking it's, of, and it's something that a lot of his fans really really do and you get a lot yeah. of this so on the list server on a lot of the websites you get this i really wish we could hear yeah. what, he what he says yeah. of the, like of the last five years you yeah, know es- you especially just, god yeah you would love yeah. to know what he what he would have said about these things and right and then maybe actually you wouldn't maybe you would actually have been disappointed just by, like don't. by what he might have said you know right and I personally think he probably would be like, oh, I was sort of right about a lot of things. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. You know, so, I did tell you. Um, I, I told you this was coming. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you read Infinite Jest? Uh, maybe you should check it out. Yeah, uh, yeah. Go, go look at that. Exactly. That's where all my that's where all my thoughts are. Um, yeah, right. I don't know, but I mean, he was he was so interested. You know, he grew or he seemed to grow more interested as a writer in ideas of citizenship. Yeah. Um, and sort of civic duty, and I think yeah. that it would be interesting. It would have been really interesting to see how he you know how he saw the obama the obama era yeah. and then how he saw the post obama era and let's not even yeah. use names for that because we're not ready to talk about it yet hold um, pod right hold <laughs> <Holder> episode <laughs> yeah and i think you know so i think it would but but you know a number of scholars have traced a, a really a, quite a conservative um mm. like speculation what's the word i'm looking for yeah kind of a conservative path through his his work and yeah, so right. you know we sort of we like to assume that he was liberal and left-wing and but yeah. actually there's you know there's evidence to the contrary as well yeah um what, what is that he, evidence just like he's just anti-censorship looking, looking in his yeah. writing he, he talked about he talked about his voting history sometimes oh and, oh yeah, yeah. John McCain. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Um, yeah the mccain point. the mccain article and and right. you know he, he he mentioned a couple of and then in some of his fiction as well you can see an interest yeah. in militarism and conservative yeah, yeah you're right um and so these are these are you were asking earlier what the what the kind of what you see in his what i see in his work is all his work the same and that's yeah. maybe kind of part of what's interesting that you can unpack this stuff that's really quite unexpected yeah and whether it's accurate or not i don't know but it's there yeah and that's what makes it fun i think yeah um, yeah yeah you know I and think just it's, like it's, with it, a lot of like art you know it's like yeah how does yeah. it develop through through life yeah through exactly what's, what's it <laughs> so. like now to look at right. this and right. what am I bringing to it? And, and yeah. you know, what what's kind of what's different now to when it was published? And right. 
You know, and it's going to go through kind of periods of being important and periods of not being important, I think. Right, which leads me to the next question. Like, do you feel like, personally, for you, yeah, is David Foster Wallace overrated, underrated, overglorified, maybe the right amount of glorified? Like, what do you personally feel? Ooh, I think that he is culturally overdetermined. Okay. Um, is the term that I would use. I think that... He, yeah, that makes, that makes sense, yeah. Yeah, I think that his work is valuable. I think it's important. I do love it. I, I do there, you know, I still come back to certain stories yeah. when I need a particular kind of hit. A mood, um, yeah. Yeah, and I think that he was an extraordinarily accomplished writer. I don't think that he was yeah. the best writer in the world that's ever happened. Um, <laughs> right. You know, I don't I don't necessarily even think he was the best writer working at the time, but he was uh, certainly yeah. one of the most important. A good, a good writer, yeah. Yeah, and I think that the work and the character of Wallace are two obviously very closely related things, but they're culturally yeah. quite different, actually. So yeah. I think that he's kind of, he's over-focused on um mm, on, yeah. on both sides right you had yeah. this this kind of this huge backlash from about 2017 2018 yeah. and you had that rash of articles like men recommend david foster wallace to me Deirdre coyle's article which is really <laughs> worth reading i think but yeah. the but the problem that coyle and, and a lot of those follow-ups are identifying is the is the kind of the milieu in which his work circulates rather than yeah. him or his work himself right, right. Um, or his work mm. itself um yeah. So I think that that's, and you know, I mentioned earlier that like, well, Infant Jest is in the Gilmore Girls, right? So there's yeah, this yeah. huge, like, towering cultural presence. Yeah. That it's for me memed is overstated. All the time. Yeah, he's yeah. memed all the time. I went to a conference right. paper once, which I just loved, which was entitled David Foster Wallace, Sad Teenage Girl. Um, which, <laughs> which kind of, you can get quotes from This Is Water, of course, yeah. like, chiseled onto driftwood yeah. on etsy you know and i just so there's this this cultural i'm cringing, oh, I'm cringing. so bad like in like, like bridesmaid font you know? yeah yeah um Amazing. and so you can so the kind of cultural presence is wildly overdetermined and totally out of sync i, th- I think yeah. yeah but i don't think that his work is overrated right um I think it's, it's rated might be slightly yeah. overrated. Um, yeah. But I, I would still I would still count him as a a, a really extraordinary craftsman. Yeah. Um and right. I you know, I think That's that the answer. work Yeah, I think the work really does stand up as yeah. in sort of technical in an aesthetic terms right. and that it has a great deal in it to investigate and to criti- to criticize and to think yeah. through right. um, that I think can be really rich. Right, and important and valuable. Yeah. Um, I love what you said about like you, as a you, you look at him as like both a, as a critic and also as a reader. I think yeah. that's a good like separation in, in a very important way to, to read a lot of. And it, it reminds me of like this quote I heard about like um, some person was in like their college class and their it's like a philosophy class. Yeah. And the the professor is like um, famous like a famous like. Uh, uh, Aristotelian, uh, like Aristotle sure. scholar, has read everything, spent like years upon reading it, and, a, and, a, yeah. and a, the student asks like, so uh, do you like Aristotle? And then the professor just goes, he's alright. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Is that how you feel? <laughs> yeah. Kind of, you know, I yeah. think that, yeah, and I think, well, I, I guess as well, when you spend a lot of time with a yeah. body of work, yeah. your relationship to it is just kind of, like, most people don't think about this stuff 
to the yeah. same extent that to I do. The, like, the just depth. because of the sheer amount of time I have spent with it. I know, which is like, <laughs> I, know? I can't even imagine. Like, that's yeah, like, do, you like, do you like this work? God, I don't even know anymore, you know. But I do, I do. There's still a, a really visceral power in it for me yeah. in places. Yeah. I mean, sometimes I'm kind of tired of it because I've been looking at the same quote right. for like, you know, forever, right? um, for weeks or whatever. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think, I mean, I, I think... It, his his legacy has very much been compromised yeah um and that's you know that's something that i think that that can be true at the same time as i find value in his work for me yeah, yeah. um and my students have i think i think found value in his work when i've assigned yeah. them. i actually don't teach him that much um yeah. you know but it's i think that what, there's stuff what, there there is yeah, yeah. and yeah. it can be you know, you don't have to have a positive response to something for it to teach you something. Yeah. Right. God. I love that. What a note to end on. That's, that's lovely. I I think we sort of, yeah, this is, uh, really insightful. I think, um, in a weird way, it made me like, I'm like, I should read infinite jest, but then I'm like, I think about the length and I'm like, it's a lot. I would, I I think one of the things that I, as a very naive kind of first or second year PhD student said as though it were some kind of like revelation is that I think most big American novels are actually mashed together short stories. Mm. Um, and I was thinking about Infinite Jest when I said that. Yeah. Um, and if you, if yeah, you approach yeah, it yeah. that way, there's a, like, right. it's, it's, it's all kind of braided together. Yeah, um, yeah. But that I also a little bit like Ulysses or even Finnegan's Wake, maybe more than Ulysses, if you kind of mm. let it wash over you a bit, um, instead of, trying to understand every illusion and every just if you experience it yeah i think it is it is an experience rather than a, right. a, a kind of a, a like a novel yeah just like a thing you the read most abstract wackery right. professor <laughs> and now it's on record so you can't even you can't <laughs> even edit yourself out <laughs> unfortunately um uh, well dude we, we gotta we gotta wrap this up but uh cool. before we do before we do, um, no, this has been great. I mean, like, um, yeah, I feel like I have a lot of, there's a lot of, like, things, uh, themes that I wanted to talk about. And we, I think we explored it, which is, I think, cool. Cool. Um, yeah. And Fernando, do you have any, any thoughts? No more questions. No. no more... <laughs> but before we end. If you have end, any, any follow-ups, you can, you can email Just email. Me yeah. Yeah. Great. Yeah. I'm um, to clarify anything. Don't worry. I will. I've, I, I will start okay. reading more uh, David Foster Wallace. <laughs> I, need to, I need to actually read, like, a fiction. I feel like I've read yeah, so much of his nonfiction. Yeah, I would start with Oblivion. I would yeah, start with the Oblivion, Oblivion okay. collection. That's for me. You that's heard the... it. You heard it here, guys. If you're a listener, you heard it there. But um, if you want to start reading his fiction, I think that's the that's place, a place to start. Place. Yeah. Right. Um, before we end this, as a little palate cleanser, Claire, yeah. can you please describe your perfect day? Oh wow. Okay. I'm gonna preface describing my perfect day by saying that I have been in lockdown in a rented <laughs> house for. Yes five months now with a four-year-old and a two-year-old and i'm pregnant wow yeah so that is why my my ideal day is probably starts in a hotel on my own Um, five star five star hotel obviously obviously Obviously. a five star hotel yes um with breakfast brought to my room love it and then for breakfast um probably eggs benedict yeah i think and maybe some champagne Oh yeah, uh, for breakfast. If we're having, for if breakfast. We're, like if we're going full-on platonic ideal of a day here. Absolutely, um, that's what we're doing. Then maybe I would I would read probably for a while. I don't know nice. what I would read. Um, Just something would depends reading? on the mood. 
yeah, I don't know, but I would have whatever it was I wanted to read to hand, yeah. obviously. Um, and I would, I would maybe go for a swim and like have Love a it. walk, and no one would touch me. That would be <laughs> okay. that's important. Just at the moment. no contact. <laughs> yeah. So, and I would meet friends, and it would be wonderful. Oh. I miss friends. Um, Love it. I would, yeah, I think I would meet friends for lunch, and maybe like wander around an antiques mall or something uh, mm-hmm. for a while. And it would be me. warm. That's what I love. It would be warm also. Yeah. Because yeah, right yeah, now, okay. I don't think you can hear it on my microphone, but right now, it is like, it sounds like the beginning of The Empire Strikes Back. You know, <laughs> the like the whistling wind yeah. on half. It sounds like that yeah. right now. Yeah, yeah. Oh my God. That sounds terrible. It is horrible. We don't even, we were promised snow, which is a big deal in Ireland. Yeah. Um, we did not get, it. get it. We just got uh, like frozen heaven rain and gravel. Yeah. And it's horrible. Yeah. So Can't even get snow. Today. Come on. All yeah. this for nothing. So my, yeah. Right. Dang. Well, that sounds like a lovely, perfect day. I mean, uh, just very simple. I would probably very finish chill. it with a concert. I think I would probably finish it with a concert. Oh, nice. Yeah. Do, you, do, you have yeah. a, do you have a preference of who you want to see in concert? This is going to make me sound like the biggest nerd in the world, and I know that I already do, but it would be a barbershop concert. <laughs> yeah i've never never listened to it but uh i, I love that. that's my 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 hobby is that i sing with a barbershop quartet i love that yeah. that yeah. is awesome i love that that's yeah. a that's a great a burlesque show that would be a burlesque show maybe or both i was yeah i was not expecting that one bit to be yeah, honest that, that, I, I, <laughs> <laughs> I used to be like i don't know uh Wet Hot Chili Peppers, like some band. But I've no. seen them live. I've seen them live. Oh, really? That's yeah. Funny. <laughs> I was about 15, I think. That's funny. That's great. Um, well, amazing perfect day. Amazing talk. Uh, anything else on your mind? Any, any no, this was words? so much fun. Thank you for having this me. really fun. Yeah, thanks for doing this. Um, guys, thanks for listening, and we'll catch you guys on the next one. All right, Fernando. All right, all right. Let's 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 talk about that episode. Let's talk about DFW, David Dallas, Foster Wallace, Dallas Foster Worth. Yeah, you know what I'm saying, dude. David David Foster Wallace, you know, died at 46 years old. We, yeah, we, we confirmed should, it. We should clarify that. I feel like anybody that really cared probably Googled it while they were listening to the episode. <laughs> so that, I feel like anyone cared who cares about David Foster Wallace knows exactly when he died, oh, where he sure. was, what uh, he did. He he died from a sh- uh, shotgun wound, actually. I think. Did he? Right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's something else we forgot to look up. Um, no. What I an episode! Yeah. What a, what an episode! Uh, it was it was nice to know that the reason I haven't read Infinite Jest is not because I don't read; it's because I'm not an affluent white male. Uh, <laughs> and so that that was a nice uh, yeah. That, that really cushioned. The that's blow. a good. That's a good excuse. It's like, yeah. why aren't you well read? Well, uh, well, because I'm not a uh, affluent white male. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm gonna start saying. That's what I'm gonna start saying. <laughs> <laughs> that's a great excuse that is that's a good you play the race car but like the other race card you know? <laughs> uh man what is what a great talk though i feel like um i feel like david foster wallace is such a memed like that's crazy joke, I feel like joked I have, about i feel like i have i feel like I've, i never hear about this guy yeah because you're not a white affluent male you I didn't go like to a liberal arts school yeah, that's like I'll, all they like talked about the circles i run in is are very different than the circles you run in i feel like uh <laughs> yeah i just end up with a uh, rich white dude yeah you um, you you've lived with four people that are all loved and rich. look dude 
after growing up and going to a prep school and then going to a kind of expensive college yeah. and then like making friends from those two places it's like naturally i am gonna run into one or maybe four people who have read infinite chess <laughs> that's, you know that's what i'm saying so many, that's so many people i i feel like we're it's surprising that we're friends at all just because we're obviously we, we are so different in the people that well, we associate yeah. ourselves with to be fair i didn't ask for this i no, just no, no. ended up here yeah it's what you attract i get it it's, it's no it's not even what i attract i just i just somehow went to a private school yeah. uh against my will but, but would, would you would also say you get a, like i assume you got along with those four people you you probably have like yeah like good I memories so. and you've laughed with these people look i've had good memories and also bad memories okay yeah, for sure. <laughs> but you and me only good memories dude only good that's memories why that's you. why yeah. it's it's more valuable i think yeah. to but to be fair uh mine and art's relationship is exclusively a zoom relationship it's very very little dude, i just hung out with you like two weeks ago <laughs> did you yeah we did didn't we it was like a month ago. It was like a month ago. Oh, no, sorry. We, like, gamed, like, a week ago. <laughs> yeah, see? It's it's completely virtual. Uh, me and Art are well, just We're in a pandemic. Pals. Yeah. Pen pals, even before the pandemic. Uh, but anyway, we're not talking about our relationship, or are yeah. we? Uh, will you read <laughs> David Foster Wallace now? Ugh, I, I can I can make an attempt. What, which, what was the first book? The first book she's... Her fa- his, something with the novel? bridge, the bridge or something. I yeah. Can't remember, I can't remember. But uh, um, I'm going to yeah. find... I'll find one of his books. I'll try to read it. Um, well, she, always... she said she said she recommends Oblivion, Oblivion. as a thing to start with. Okay. But I recommend... Great, great Tom Cruise movie. <laughs> movie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's not. It's a terrible <laughs> Tom Cruise movie. Uh, great I, I video game. Remember. Skyrim Oblivion. Um, oh, Skyrim Oblivion. Yes, also great, great, great game. I recommend his nonfiction first because it's shorter, okay. and it, I think it gets you uh, a taste of his writing style. Yeah. What's What's his nonfiction about? Like, what's What's he? Well, he. So yeah, what, I think we. Briefly what are these talked facts? What are these facts uh, based in? We We briefly talked about the one where he spends like a week on a cruise and just talks about how freaking weird a cruise is and how okay. freaking just like American it is. Is it kind of like a know? memoir almost, or? Uh, uh, more of like a like a like a journal he kind of like journals about his experience okay yeah um it's like a review i would say closer yeah. to a re- like a personal review yeah um i recommend that it's really fun because he's yeah. very condescending but yeah. like it's not outwardly condescending he just yeah. he just sort of it's like the, he has like an elitist angle to it it's yeah. funny um i recommend that i also recommend um i think it's e unibus it's Forum. funny to be elitist while you're on like, like on a cruise ship, on a cruise ship. right which is yeah. also i think part of the i think irony of it all yeah you know? and also he's being yeah it's just like you're there like you're part mm-hmm. of the problem you know yeah um you bought these tickets you bought these like, tickets and yeah. now you're judging these people yeah. for yeah anyway is it tickets? Um, do they do they issue tickets for a cruise i don't of i don't course. know yeah i don't yeah. Also, yeah. They, no come come through we'll just uh we'll just We'll hop, on a, we'll hop oh. on a cruise. We'll hop on a cruise. I recommend that. I also recommend E Unibus Plurum, which mm-hmm. is um, for one and, or for many any, or something like that. Yeah, anything when it's in Latin, I, I avoid. You avoid? On. It's well, the only reason I didn't go to Harvard is because they're... <laughs> they require Latin. <laughs> well, they're, they're... What was the school motto or whatever? The, the, oh, yeah. Uh, is, is, I can't remember what it is. It's something, I used to like, know it. Something, I know you used to know it, and that's the only reason I know the Harvard <laughs> thing is in Latin, because you've said it to me before. Um, oh, yeah. like like It's like knowledge like comes yeah. knowledge something like that yeah um, something ridiculous but it's also online and i that's no, the only reason i didn't go to harvard i remember because. i remember why we talked about it it's because you yeah yeah we don't you need to get wanted into- a bit you're doing a bit about harvard 
and yeah. then you meet at Harvard. And I was like, oh, there's a line what? from Harvard. I remember it all. Anyway, that's not, yeah, <laughs> who cares? But I also recommend that Unibus Plurum thing. It's called yeah. The Review of Contemporary Fiction. And I think okay. it really does um, capture modern day TV and how cynical, self-aware, ironic, and sort of empty it all is. There was a point, I forget what we were talking about, but I was, I was like, this is very, uh, I feel like this is an episode of Black Mirror. Almost. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's the, he, he does make like yeah. Black Mirror-esque points. Yeah, or like, like, I bet you he was a big fan of like the Twilight Zone. He's oh, probably sure. Big, I mean, like, show, but like, same show, same exact show. But, but like, let's be honest, who isn't? Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah for sure. But yeah. I, I feel like he's one of those guys that's like really, really into it. Really yeah. into Twilight, like where he's like, he's like, it just, they get the world. <laughs> like they really, they really put a mirror to society. A black place. mirror, hey. Yeah. So, and yeah, anyway. Twilight Zone is great. It's I'm a fan of Twilight Zone. Me too. Um, I'm a fan of all television. You know, uh, I wanted to which ask. Is, which is why I, I think you like that article. I wanted to Because he reviews it. Um, he reviews it, fiction. Do you think any of DFW's books are going to be turned into movies? His, it's interesting, his, his, the last interview, it's literally called The Last Interview. Mm-hmm. His, his last, like, interview was turned into a movie. Like, the journalist who did it, like, sold it as a, like, he, she, he wrote it, obviously, and then, like, it became, like, a movie. And that's where Jason Siegel stars as him. Okay, all right, all right. You know? But, but I, I don't know I, if it's I'm looking fiction. for, like, a, I feel like the only way I'm ever going to experience Infinite Jest is if it yeah. becomes a saga. A movie, yeah. Like a, it's clearly, if it's a thousand and something pages, it's a saga. That's that's a Harry Potter. Right. It's going to be seven different movies, and it's going to be different. It's going to be like Vantage Point, the movie Vantage Point with Forrest Whitaker. But instead yeah. of, of one single movie, Vantage Point, <laughs> it's going to be eight movies from eight different Vantage Points. Yeah. But it's I think it's too weird of a book. It's too conceptual of a book to paint into a movie. Yeah, that's why you need eight of them. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's true. Here, here's the thing: I'm going to become a filmmaker for the sole purpose of turning Infinite Jest <laughs> You're into buy the a rights. movie. Yeah, buy the, you could probably like own the rights and then yeah. like sell it for a lot of money in the future. Yeah. So bet. easy. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, that's uh, someone. We just gave someone an idea, a money-making idea. Well, it's my so. idea. I've, I'm patenting <laughs> it. <patting> TM. <laughs> yeah. There we go. I'll copyright. Um, yeah, you should check it out. I think I honestly wouldn't recommend Dave Foster Wallace for everybody, but yeah. I think you would actually like those two things. Yeah. Uh. If I, if I felt smart enough to understood, understand books... Fernando, you are smart enough. Uh, I tried to read books. a book not too long ago. It was by a Portuguese author, uh, a Brazilian author. Yeah. And I just, uh, I did not understand. What, like, I, I was like, I was like, this is funny. I, 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 I am kind of enjoying it, but I'm also not understanding what I'm reading. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think what would help is like, if you didn't read the book in uh, Portuguese. Yeah, you know? uh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> Maybe in English might help. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that might be it. Um, that might be it. All right. Any other thoughts on Claire? She's great. I loved her perfect day. Waking up in a hotel room. That's that's a thing oh, we haven't heard before. Yeah, barbershop barbershop quartet. Room, yeah. Five star hotel room. A little a little much, if I'm being honest. Yeah. But <laughs> I'm more like a three to four. Yeah. I tried. I, I like a, a good super eight. I'm if I'm being guy. honest. <laughs> <laughs> I like a I like a normal eight. I like anything that just says uh, like motor in is in the name. I, I love yeah. I love any place like that. Yeah. That's true. All right, well, let's wrap it up here. Um, Guys, thank you so much for listening. We'll catch you guys on the next one.